Good morning, church. I'm excited to be back with you guys. I missed y'all last week. Y'all might not have missed me, but I missed y'all. Um, I tell you, uh, God's good, and uh, I really enjoyed. Amen. I got some good. I can tell you, today's going to be good. Amen. Amen. Y'all going to get me fired up. I ain't got started good. All right. Uh, it was encouraging to me. You got to go to Oak Hill and got to be with family and friends and and just get encouraged and uh, and just it was just kind of awesome to be able to to rest in the fact that Brandon was here and um, to be able to share some love with you guys. I know he was excited uh, to be able to come back and and to help tear down and set up. He's like he hadn't done that in so long, um, but uh, he he was grateful that uh, for everything that y'all do and thankful for what y'all do. And um, say we're gonna be in uh, in John. Chapter 21 this morning. Uh, if you've got a Bible, please turn there. Um, as you're turning, uh, I just want to thank all of you that were a part of uh, the skeet shoot and the fundraiser and everything that we did to raise money for youth camp. Um, the youth went, uh, the students went uh, to camp and they came back. And um, I was telling uh, everybody at 10 o'clock meeting, I was taking a busload of kids on uh, Monday up there and not one of them said a word. Riding up there, nobody said a word. I don't know if it was too early or they was riding with the preacher. I don't know which one it was, but they didn't say nothing, hardly. I tried to get some to even, even joke with me. They wouldn't do nothing. But, man, on the way home, they would not shut up. <laughs> they was excited. And so I know God did some amazing things in a lot of them's lives as they were gone. So thank you all for, for just being generous and giving. And y'all just continue to pray for that ministry, continue to pray for our student ministry as, uh, as we're just trying to figure out the direction that God's leading us in it. And uh, I know God's going to send who he wants in his time. Amen? And so I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to dive in. Uh, Father, we thank you again uh, just for just uh, how awesome you are. And God, as we read that song, we sung that song about your faithfulness. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for setting the captives free. I thank you, God, for, for setting me free. I thank you, God, for, for what you've done in my life. And God, I know there's many people in this room that are so thankful for you loosening the grip that the enemy had on them, God. And I pray, Father, that this morning that you would continue to, to break the chains that all of us are in bondage to, Lord. And I pray, God, that we would rest in the fact of who you are. We'd rest in you today. And God, you would be faithful to your word. And God, you would set those free. God, you would redeem us you would give us a new direction, a new passion today. God, I pray that as every, every person in this room under the sign of my voice, I pray, Father, that if, uh, God, if they brought anything here with them this morning, if their mind is preoccupied by, by, by something going on in their life, I pray, God, that you would, you would just hush the voices going on inside their head right now so that they may concentrate on your word and that, God, you may be able to speak to them. So, Father, we pray that you would do an amazing thing here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we've been reading through the 412 plan and, and going through, we've been going probably this whole last month, we've been spending that the whole last month in Act, I mean in uh in John. And we're headed into Acts. And so, you know, this past week I was reading in Acts and and I love the book of Acts. Man, when you get to Acts chapter two, and I get jacked up because I'm like, man, this is the church, right? This is who we say we are. We say that we are Acts two church, right? And so as you, you start I start reading that, I start getting just excited about thinking about where God's leading his church and what God's doing. But as I, as I got there, God kind of backed me up and he said, look who started the movement. Look who I used to start the movement. And as I, as I backed up, it was Peter, right? Peter 
God used through the power of the Holy Spirit, and he spoke in a powerful way, and 3,000 people were saved. And then they began, then, then they began to devote themselves to the teaching. They began to do those things. And, and so I think about Peter, and I'm like, man, he was awesome, but Peter was also used in a great way, but he also failed in a great way. Because I'm like, all right, now, God, four chapters, five chapters over, Peter was in bad shape. So how does he go from, from zero to hero? How does that happen? You know what I'm saying? How does, that, how does that happen? How does he go that way? And so, you know, when I read this, when I was reading John, I, you know, when you read John, it kind of when you get to John 20, you think that's it. Because he, John ends the book by saying, this is the purpose of my gospel. Talks about if he put all the miracles in there, then... That, God, that Jesus had, that the, the world couldn't contain the books. And he says that, it's like, all right, in, and then chapter 21. And I'm not, and when I read that, I was kind of like, why, why did you, why, why didn't you just stop the book, and, you know, instead of writing a P.S. at the end? Oh, I never got that. Why people put P.S. in letters? Like, why don't you just include that in the letter? Because I think what happened is when John got done with this book, he says, you know what? I've told everyone the failure of Peter. But I didn't tell anyone the redemption of Peter. And so, when, so he went back and he, he really began to tell the story of how Peter was redeemed. And, you know, I think about Peter, and I, I love thinking of Peter because I relate to him. Now, some of y'all people in here might say, no, I've always been perfect. I don't struggle with nothing. We'll talk to y'all next Sunday. <laughs> but the reality is, is that in, verse, in chapter 20, when I got there, I'm like, is this over? Is this it for Peter? Is he always going to be known as a failure? Is he always going to be known as that? What, 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 what's going on next? What happens next? You know, you got to remember who Peter is. Everybody growing up in church, you heard about Peter, right? He's the, he's the disciple that always put his foot in his mouth. Any y'all do that? No, I mean, he, he was always, he was so zealous for the Lord. Like, he, he would run, he was running after Jesus, and he was like, Jesus said, you're going to deny me. He said, not me. Uh-uh, I love you more than all these fools. Uh-uh, I ain't, I ain't gonna, you know, I'm not going to deny you. He said, you're going to deny me three times. He, no, I'm not. He was so boastful. He was so sure of himself. But yet he fell flat. He denied Jesus three times. He was, he was full of big promises, right? He was, he was bold. But when pressure came, he caved. When pressure came, he caved. He fell back into that temptation again. He fell back into that. It, and, and how many of us that happens to? We start out walking with God and we have great intentions and we have a very big mouth. And we start telling God all we want to do for him. But then when life gets hard and temptation hits us, we fall back. We back away from the only God that can sustain us, but we go back to who we once were. You, you go back to that old boyfriend, that old girlfriend that gave you stuff, that gave, make you feel like you were somebody. Well, you know that relationship is no good for you. You know what I'm saying? You, you go back to, 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 the, to the old lifestyle, right? Life gets hard. When you start following Christ, like when, you start, when God starts putting his finger on things he wants you to remove, life starts getting hard. And so instead of pressing in, you just step out. And you go back to the old lifestyle. You go back to the party scene. You go back to the alcohol. You go back to the pills. You go back to those things that gave you peace and happiness before because it was just too hard. You have great intentions, but life got hard. You start justifying why you went back, why you're doing these things. 
And maybe because of all this stuff, you feel too embarrassed to come back to God. Maybe you feel too embarrassed. You know, I had, I had a friend of mine that, that man, he got saved. It was a radical transformation. God delivered him from that, from that party scene, and it was everything that it included. I mean, he was, he was all of the above. If you had a drink, he drank it. If you had it to take, he'd take it. If you had it to snort, he'd snort it. I mean, anything that he, you had, he was game. God delivered him from that in such a radical way, moved him away from that lifestyle. God, he started changing. He started moving in God, moving in the Holy Spirit. I've seen him witness to people in that same lifestyle. I've seen, him, I've seen God use him to, to, to bring people to salvation, all that stuff. And, man, he was just running at 100 miles an hour. But I, I, as he was running, I forgot to tell him that, hey, man, sometimes it's going to get hard. See, we have this illusion that when we start following Christ, it's going to be peaches and cream until we die. And then when the sun shines and the ice cream starts melting, we start saying, what's going on? So I hit some of y'all where it, where it hit. Start talking about some ice cream. You're like, what? What? See, the thing is, when life got hard and he started getting some pushback, my friend fell back. And he stayed away from God and he was ashamed of what he had done. He was ashamed that he went back to the old him. And instead of, instead of coming to him in repentance and knowing that God brings him out of it, he just stayed there wallowing in his own self-pity. And he kept getting deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper until one day he didn't think he'd ever get out. And maybe, that, maybe, maybe my friend is you today. Because there's a lot of us that get hung up in life, and we're following Jesus. We're, we're, we, have, we love God. We're trying to follow him as much, but life hits us in an unexpected way, and we find ourselves in a tailspin. I'm going to tell you, I, I, I'm not immune to that. I'm not immune to that at all. When I started following God, and, and man, life, was, I was running just like my friend, a thousand miles an hour, as hard as I could go. You tell me to do it, God, I'm going to do it. You put this man in front of me, I'm going to tell him. You do this, you do that. And you know what's tricky about the enemy is he don't attack you where you're looking for it. Come on, anybody? I mean, he don't attack me where I'm looking for it. He always attacks me where I think I got everything shored up and everything's good. He attacks me with my family more than anything. And here I am running after God, running after God, running after God, oblivious to everything going around me. And then one day my wife drops this bomb on me saying, I'm not happy. And I'm like, God, I've, dropped, I've, done, I've changed my whole life. I can't go back. You said you were going to be faithful. And now the woman that I love is wanting to leave me because of you. What am I supposed to do? My whole life was crumbling. And every day I get up and I was trying to do whatever I could do to change her. And that don't happen. And I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, and I'm working. And, and all the time, Satan's constantly telling me in my head, Jeremy, this is too hard. Jeremy, you just need to quit. Jeremy, you just need to stop. It ain't worth it. Look at so-and-so. They just go to church, and, and, they, they go, and then they go to the party. They go to the club on Saturday. Their life's happy. But you, you, you separated yourself from that. You're following Christ, and now your life, your life is hell. You might as well just stop being so dedicated to Christ and, and just kind of be lukewarm because that's where everybody else is and they look like they're happy. 
And as I, as I, as I, and that began to really play on me and really began to, to work in me. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm contemplating walking away from God. I even had people in the church telling me, you know what, if you ain't happy and she ain't happy, maybe it's the best thing to do that y'all get a divorce. And I'm like, all right, hold up, boss. I read this thing and it don't, I read this Bible right here. You got this Bible? Yeah, you got the same translation? Yeah, all right. Well, my Bible don't say I can do that. Yeah, 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 but you know, man, life gets hard. Like, I'm not going, God made me hard-headed for a reason, Amen. Now, I might want to quit, but I ain't got no quit in me. And so I, I, just, kept, I just kept going and kept going and kept going. And, but Satan kept trying to make me go back. And I'm thankful that God delivered God after a, a long time. It wasn't like two weeks. It was like two years. But after a long time, God delivered my marriage. God changed my life. God showed me that he's good even in the hardness. But you got to press in and press through and not give up. And that's in the point that a lot of us quit. A lot of us give up. And so there's a lot of us that, that, that think that it's over for us. There's a lot of us that life has hit us in a bad way, and we think that we cannot get back in the good graces of God. We think that it's over. We're coming to church. We got, this, we got, our, we got our disguise on every Sunday. You know our church clothes. We show up here smiling. We might even put on a blue shirt or orange shirt. We, we, we serving. But, but we, ain't, we ain't really loving God. We ain't really walking with God because we're, we think we're too far. We're too jacked up for God to even love us because of what we have done. And so we're, we're, we're way back here and not, not realizing that God's got a purpose for your life like he's got for Peter's. He's got great things he wants to do in your life, but yet you've got, to, you've got to receive what God's trying to do in your life right now to get you to where he wants you to be. Peter would never have been who he was if not for the denial he wouldn't have been the great powerhouse of faith that he was if it was not for his big mouth and for him backing away. Have you been there? Has anybody been here? Or am I standing on this island by myself? You can relate. We can relate because all of us, whether you want to admit or not, we go through seasons where we don't feel adequate. We don't think we can keep going. When it's easier just to quit. And so here is Peter. A man that has looked the Savior in the eye and said, I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. He's, I mean, he jumped up to defend Jesus and tried to whack a man's head off and missed it and hit his ear. Bad, bad shot, bad shot. But anyway, he, he, I mean, he was that intentional. Like, I'm going to show you that I'm not going to do this. He was a man that, that just was passionate about Christ. And then he falls. He denies him three times. He runs off and he's, he's just like upset. And what, what gets me is that when, when, when you read John 20 and, and you read about the, the resurrection of Christ and how Christ showed himself to the disciples, I'm just looking through there knowing that you're going to hear Peter come in there sliding on his knees saying, God, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me. I'm so sorry. But you don't hear that. You don't hear him run in there like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so broken. No, because he was so embarrassed. He did not want to come into his sight. That's what I believe. Because pride will keep you from admitting that you're wrong and being humble. And I've also known that where there is a big mouth, there is a lot of pride. Amen? Because I'm just pointing at me. 
So, and, and that's the thing. Like when you, so then when you get to verse 20, when you get to chapter 21, I love this. It says, afterwards, Jesus appeared, chapter 21, verse 1, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples. He appeared to them again, right? He was giving them second chances. He was giving them another glimpse of himself. By the Sea of Galilee, it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, well, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. We're going to stop there for just a second. But I, so, so Jesus shows himself, shows grace, right? He shows himself again. If it would have been either one of us, we'd have said, like, y'all hard-headed jokers, deuces. We'll see you later, right? Y'all ain't listening. Y'all ain't, ain't getting this. Y'all ain't picking up what I'm putting down. I ain't got no time to waste with you. But the, does my Savior came again. This makes the third time he's done showed himself to his disciples, right? So, so they were slow. We slow too. Y'all with me? And so, anyway, he shows himself to them. But what I love about this is how it really paints a picture of how we handle crisis. It's because, what did, what did he do? He shows himself again to them, but, but Jesus shows himself again to them. But what did the disciples do? They didn't get all jacked up and like, all right, now, let's, let's, get, let's, let's divide up in twos, and let's go back and, and start witnessing. No, they didn't do that. Peter said, I'm, I'm going back fishing. I'm going back to, 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 to what I used to do. I'm going back to my, to my old life. You know, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just going back. And you know what's, 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 what got me in that? It's how when you decide to abandon Jesus, how you carry other people with you. When, you're not dead, when, you, when you've been standing on the rock, and you've been shouting glory and shouting hallelujah, you're a big target for Satan to knock off because when he knocks you off, then you're going to carry other people with you that are watching what God's doing in your life. And so not only did Peter go back, but he brought the other disciples with him. See, we, if we're not careful, we'll bring other people down to, uh, down to where we are. The left side of the room is not getting excited about this at all. But So, so he takes them back. And he goes back to his old life. I mean, has that ever happened to you? Have you ever been to a place where you've been so discouraged? Where you've been so, I mean, it's just been hard. It's been hard. I'm just, I'm trying. I heard somebody tell me this a couple months ago. I'm tired of trying to be so perfect. I was like, yeah, me too. You, you won't ever be perfect. You need to quit trying to be perfect. Just love God and do what he says. Just follow him. But see, we get so caught up in this performance mentality to where we're trying to gain grace instead of accept grace. And we're walking in, and, and we're just tired and discouraged instead of walking in what God intended us for us to have. And so you're, you're discouraged. You, 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 and it's crazy. But, you know, when you go back to that old life, it's never as enjoyable as it was before. Once you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good and you try to go back, it ain't no fun. I'm telling you, it's not. It's not. And, and so he, because they went back, but yes, I mean, these boys are professional fishermen. They, you go with a professional fisherman, he knows where the fish are. 
right? I, we went, me and a couple guys went fishing at Clark Hill a couple weeks ago, and we went up there, and we, it, was, it was a horrible experience because the bait ran out, all this stuff. We ain't going to catch nothing. Ain't no way. I'm wasted this money. We ain't going to catch a thing. The guy's like, don't worry. I know where the fish are. Okay. And we caught fish. Because a fisherman knows where the fish are. Because they're in there with them. So, so Peter and them go back. Knowing how to fish and can't catch nothing. You talk about being mad. Well, I'm no good at discipling. And now I'm no good at fishing. What am I going to do? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm, I'm no good. He's feeling incomplete. And I just, it, it just hits me because there are so many people. It, it trips me out. Is 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 uh, I just think about conversations that people have had, and one person, I'm not gonna call names or nothing. You may be here, I don't know. But anyway, they, they were like, "Man, I, I just, I'm just tired of this stuff, and I want to go back to that life." And so I went back to the club. I was like, "Yeah, what'd you find there? Nothing." I went to the club, and this is word for word. I went to the club, and I mean, I was getting it down. And I was down there, and I was dropping it like it was hot. Man, I was just as hard as I could go. I was dancing as fast as I could go. I was, I was trying as hard as I could to, to, to get some attention from somebody that would come over there and holler at you, boy, but nobody would come over there. He was looking for all this attention. He said, so I went home broke and mad. I went home upset, because, and, and he says, it's not enjoyable. He said, so now... I'm trying to get this fulfillment from where I once was, and that's no fun anymore. What am I supposed to do? It's like, I'm glad you called me. But see, so many times we turn back to that. I remember when I first started walking with God, life got hard. And, and, and so the first temptation is, Jeremy, go get the 12-pack and go to the riverbank and, and wash your cares away. Because that's where I did things. When, when things got hard... I would just get a beer and get a, or a case of beer, and I'd go to this river, and we'd sit there and drink today was gone. And then I'd drive my drunk butt home and do it again the next day. And so if you're not careful, what happens is you go back to those things. And what's crazy is I was following God. I've been following him for two years without one problem. All that stuff drops out with my wife. God delivered me from alcohol. God delivered me from all this stuff. Oh, yeah, that's a bad day at work. I had to let up, lay some employees off that day. You know what? I'm just, I can't handle this no more. My Bible was on the dash. I threw it in the floorboard. Didn't want to see it. Get in the truck, drove, drove down the road, pulled over yonder. I'll tell you, I pulled over to the store on 2025. Like, ain't nobody going to see me here. At least all the people from Elam, my church I was at, they ain't, they ain't, they ain't nobody coming through this time of day. I bought me a 12-pack. We're going to the river. That trail pack was right there, and I was looking at it like, hey, old friend, how you doing? Just driving on. I get to the river. I take the beer out of the cooler. I take the beer out of the thing. I didn't put it in the cooler. I was going to drink them that fast. I had the plans, baby. I popped the top, and as I sat there, and was all intentions really just wiping away. Just something kept it right here. And I kept thinking about how good God was. I kept thinking about, Jeremy, he delivered you from this. I kept thinking about, Jeremy, he, look at, look at what he's doing in your family. Look at what he's doing at work. Look at the people that, that, have, that are following Christ that would not have followed Christ if you hadn't opened your mouth. Jeremy, look, and I'm holding this beer, and, I, and, and I'm thinking, yeah, but, but God, this is too hard. It's easier to quit. 
Nobody else cares. And he kept, and the spirit just kept pressing me and kept pressing me. And finally, I just took the beer. And if you know me, you know this was very difficult because I hate to waste anything. And I turned it upside down. And I opened me another one. I did another one that way. And I opened me another one. I did another one that way. And so after I did six of them, it was getting really pretty tough. <laughs> I ain't going to lie. They go that $12.67 right there. Could have, should have burned it. Anyhow, but when that was done, it was almost like me telling God, you know what? This is hard, but you're worth it. And even though struggles come, I still press on now. But it was that moment right there in my life where I had to draw this line in the sand and say, today I'm going to choose you instead of quitting. And so many of us quit, and we fall back into who we were. See, it's, it's, it's this horrible place. It's a horrible place to be in. I don't know if I'm talking to anybody this morning, but, man, I had something else planned, and God laid this on me, so we're going to preach it. But I don't know who is in this place. But if I had to guess, 90% of us have been in this place, or we're headed to this place, or we're coming out of this place right now, of a place where we want to quit. A place where life is too hard. Being a Christian isn't popular. I, I, I struggled so much with, 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 with just, when I, when I started following God, it was so radical because we, we had so many friends. And when I started following Jesus, I was me, me and Sabrina on this island. And now I'm on this island where a woman that hates me, right? Because she didn't want to be around me either because I love Jesus. I'm like, Jesus, everybody don't want to be with me now. And so I'm over here by myself just wanting friends, wanting something, and, and that desire. See, so many times we get by ourselves and we get alone. Instead of pressing into Christian community, we, we get alone, and then we start having that pity party, and that pity party turns into just more, more, more and more and more. Next thing you know, we're just so discouraged to where we just, we just like, yeah, I just might as well quit. I might as well just stop. Anybody with me on that? Just getting too real for you this morning. And then, verse 4. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't recognize that it was Jesus. See, when you've been out there on your own for so long, and you've been doing your own thing for so long, it's hard to recognize when God's trying to move in your life. When, you're, when, you, when you've been pushing him off trying to do your own thing, it's so hard to recognize him. And you know what's even harder? It's even to hear his voice. When I hadn't talked to someone for a long time on the phone, and they called me, They'll fool me every time because I can't pick up their voice. But if I talk to them every day, you can't fool me. See, a lot of us in this room, you're struggling because you can't hear the voice of God because it's been so long since you've talked to God. And how are you going to know and recognize his movement in your life when you're not talking to him or listening to him? That was free. I wasn't planning on saying that. So he... Early the next morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but his disciples didn't recognize him, recognize it was Jesus. So he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? They said, no. And he said, well, throw your nets on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And when they did, they were able to haul in a net. But they, were, they, were, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. You know, there ain't nothing like fishing all day long and not catching nothing. And the last thing I want is to roll up to the landing, and there's this smart aleck on the bank asking me if I caught anything. 
And I tell them I ain't. And they're like, well, did you try to fish over there? How about did you, did you use any crickets? How about some worm? Did, how about did you use a, 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 a chartreuse color beetle spin? Don't do that to me. You're going to test me. I ain't sanctified completely yet. And it's, it's like, are you serious? I've been out here all day. I've been tolling. I've been fishing. I've been trying so much, but nothing. And you're going to tell me to do this over here. But you know what's crazy? This isn't the first time that the disciples had fished all night and not caught nothing. See, sometimes Jesus will do something. Sometimes Jesus will bring us back to a place where he worked in our life previously to jog our memory to how good he was back then so we'd have the faith to believe in the hard times right now. And so what a lot of us need to do is we need to back up to the last time he moved and praise him for it. Move back to where he delivered us last time and thank him for it. And yet it will give you enough courage and strength to keep pushing through this hard season right now. Because I, I, I know if I was Peter and me and Peter, we had a lot of like, I'm like, you know what, you need to hush over there. He couldn't see Jesus. He didn't know him. But out of desperation, not wanting to be a failure again, Hey, boys, just, just, just throw them out. Just prove this fool wrong. And the moment the nets went to tugging, I guarantee you, he looked to the bank. And he realized that that was Jesus. See, the moment that you back up in faith and you remember what happened yesterday and God starts doing something right now today, guess what happens? Your faith increases. You start... You, and you're right here in the bottom of the barrel, and it's so crazy because I can be at the bottom like this, and I can sense God moving, and I'm standing on top of the barrel before I know it. Amen? But it's about you got to be intentional with listening to God, and that's how he does. That's what he does. But as I read that, I'm like, look, he's Jesus, right? So he knows everything. So why in the world did he ask them, did you catch any fish? Because he knew they didn't catch any fish. Then it says that they were about 100 yards from the bank. They're not far from the bank. So he had to have heard them squabbling and complaining because you stand on the riverbank and I ain't caught nothing. You're going to hear me complaining. If you were me and Sabrina, you'll hear us fussing about her fishing in the trees. But anyway, she thinks we're fishing for squirrels when we're really trying to catch fish. But anyway, squirrels ain't near as good to fry as fish. So I'm just going to tell you. But anyhow... She'll testify. But anyhow, they, what happened is when he was asking them, did you catch any fish? He was trying to get them to admit where they were. See, the first step in us coming out of the mess we're in is we've got to admit where we are. You've got to admit the failure. You've got to admit where you are. And see... When they, when the, the moment they said no, it was a realization that all hope is lost. There's no way we're going to catch anything. The bank's right there. We're headed in. There's no way. But when the moment they said no, they, Jesus says, all right, now I can work. See, Jesus can't work in your life until you admit that you have a problem. Because as long as you think you've got all the answers, you're not going to listen to him. And some of us are going through the trouble we're in because we're hard-headed like Peter, and it takes hard stuff to get our hard-headed attention. And I'm preaching from a place I'm familiar of. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm right there. And so, so they, 
So he brings them to this place to where they had to admit where they were. They had to admit their shortcomings. They had to admit their, those, those, those things. You know, and I, I went through a, a session with some guys, and we were talking about problems and, and things we were struggling with. And I went out in the room, and I was like, well, what, what, is, what's what, you, what do you struggle with? I didn't say one thing. Everybody named one thing. You know why you named one thing? Because you don't want nobody else to know what you struggle with. You know, it's always crazy. You sit around a room with four or five men, and you start naming that. The first man will always say pride. The second man will always say, well, that was mine. The third man will look at them and be like, y'all got mine too. The fourth man will know that he can't, that he got to, he can't not punk out. So he'll throw something in like being untruthful. And the other one will be like, you got mine too. They only throw out one. What I've done is I've, I've, one day I met with some guys, and I was like, I'll tell you what, write down the things you struggle with, the things. Write them down on a piece of paper. And as they begin to write them down, I said, now, tell them to me. And they, as they begin to read them out, off on this piece of paper, it, I, you could tell every time they would read the things they're struggling with, their tone went down until they got to the end of the list. Because when you write things down, there's something about writing things down there's some validity to it. And then when you vocalize that, it admits, that's, that's the thing of, of like admitting that you're wrong, admitting that you struggle, admitting that you have a problem. So that's the first step you have to take is you got to admit that you have a problem and then turn to the only thing that can fix the problem. And that's what they did. They admitted they hadn't caught any fish, and Jesus said, well, try this. And they were like, okay, and turn to it. And they caught a boatload. See, that's the biggest problem we have as Christians is we have, the, we have the remedy. We have the reason. We have everything in us right here to tell us what we need to do, but we have to have the Holy We have to submit to the Holy Spirit when he tells us what you're doing wrong. And then when we say, I've, I've sinned, I've done this, we go to God's Word and he tells us what to do right. Amen? And so, man, we got a long ways to go and a short time to get there, so I'm going to start talking a lot faster, but... What happened was in this is that Peter and the disciples had to admit where they were. The only way to get from being in the middle, from not being totally away from God and not being fired up from God, is you got to admit where you are right now, that you're lukewarm, that you're discouraged, that you want to quit. you got to admit that right where you are. And then when, when you've admitted that, then you got to turn to the only one that can fire you back up and say, all right, God, I'm coming to you now. See, the moment that they, that, that net got full, Peter was so jacked up, he, he put on his... He, took his, he put, his, put his cloak on and dove into water. Dove into water. And he's in a boat full of men. And they're rowing to the bank. He was probably swimming, and they were rowing right beside him. But Peter was like, I'm going to show Jesus that, that, I'm, that I'm intentional. I'm going to show Jesus that, that I love him more than these because I'm going to swim to the bank. And so Peter jumps out the boat, and he swims to him. Verse 7, then the disciple who Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire and burning coals. There were fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to him, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. 
It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus says, come, have breakfast. You know, what I love about this is, is how Peter, he jumps in the water, right? And he's swimming. And others follow. He, he, Peter's got that mindset, I'm always going to do more than you. He's got that competitive nature. Anybody got that competitive nature inside of you? I'm going to beat you. I realized I have that. Because I'm, I'm, my little young, my little boy, he, we race every day. Every day. You know what he says when he's running? I beat you. I beat you. I beat you. You know where he heard that from? Me. It does me good to beat my two-year-old every time. He's never going to win. But anyway, I, and, and so as, I, as we're, Peter's got this mindset, I'm going I'm to beat them. I'm going to get a little further. I'm going to be the first one to Jesus. See, Peter's always trying to do things on his own. He's trying to protect Jesus on his own. He's trying to swim to Jesus and beat those people there, beat other disciples. And then, verse 11, he drags them there to shore. He's going to do it. There's, 12 other, there's 11 other guys with him. He's going to make sure he's going to drag it by himself. How many of us are trying to do this just to prove a point to God? See, this is where God slapped me in the face this week. See, it's almost like Peter was trying to prove himself to God. Peter thought that he was, Peter thought, look, I'm going to do all this stuff to help. I'm going to do all this stuff to prove to you. I'm going to do all this stuff to show you. I'm, I'm going to do all this stuff so you'll be happy with me so that I can eat breakfast with you. But what the text says that he already had breakfast done. How many of us are trying to work for something that God's already given us? See, Peter, he missed it again. He missed it again. Jesus didn't need him. He chose to use him. And it's crazy because this isn't Peter's first rodeo in that, right? He, 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 he's constantly, God's constantly, Jesus was constantly trying to remind him that he did not have to use him. He did not need him, that he just chose him and he wanted him to be used. See, so many of us think that we have to work so hard to be used by God. But see, God's already got a plan worked out for your life. All you have to do is rest in the promises of God and listen to him and do what he says, and his plan will work out in your life. All you have to do is listen and turn when he says turn. It's that simple, but we think we have to work hard to do it. We have to do this or do that in order to be accepted by God. And we find our whole life running for acceptance instead of running out of love. And this completely floorboarded me this past week as I was thinking about it. You know, because I think, I think Peter, he's so much like me. I, I, and I don't know about you, but that's how I feel. I mean, he, he knew God's love for him. But he was still trying to prove himself to God. And that's why so many of us, I mean, I confess to you that I fall in this category. I, I know the grace of God. I know that Jesus loves me. I, I want to draw close to him. I want those things. But I haven't learned how to rest in him. I haven't learned how to just rest in him. How to, how, I fall into this trap of, of work, trying to work my way to acceptance every time. And that's why I get so discouraged. Because I'm trying to work for God's pleasure. I'm trying to work so that God's happy with me. You know what? If I read my Bible 20 hours all week, God's going to be happy with me. If I pray for every person in the church by name, he's going to be happy with me. 
if I do this, if I do that, if, if, I'm, if I'm perfect, I put all this pressure on myself, then God's going to be happy with me. I'm working and not resting. That's why I feel guilty often. That's why I feel overwhelmed some days. It's like I'm always trying to prove myself to God. And I hear myself saying things like this. This is too hard. I hear myself saying, you might as well quit. Because you know what? I'm trying to do all the work. And maybe, just maybe, somebody in this room feels the same way. Maybe, just maybe, I'm not the only one that hasn't learned how to rest in God. That was Peter's whole thing. He was constantly trying to work to please Jesus. He was constantly trying to work so that no one else would be better than him, so that he would be top dog. He was constantly trying to do whatever he could do. But he found himself always messing up and always discouraged. You know, Peter, he was so zealous for the Lord. But he hadn't learned how to rest in the finished work of Christ. And I just want you to understand that he was trying to work so hard to please God because of his failure. See, a lot of times our failure would fool us and make you think that you've got to kiss up to Jesus. You've got to do so much more good stuff so him to be approved, for you to be approved. And all he wants you to do is come back to him. See, that's all he wanted was the disciples to come back to him. He already had breakfast done. Peter didn't have to do one thing. But Peter was working so hard so he could have breakfast, and there was already breakfast on the beach ready. So many of us are working so hard to get the acceptance of God instead of resting in what he's already done for us and having that peace. And that's why we spend so much energy on all these things that don't matter. We complicate it so much. It really is, church. It really is as easy as listening to God and doing what he says. It is really that easy, but we complicate it with this system that we try to impose to think that we have to do this or do right. See, the number one the number one thing that will keep us from becoming like Christ sometimes isn't sin. It's self-reliance. We're doing this on our own. We're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're walking in my power. Because my power is something that I can control. And if I give my power to the Holy Spirit, then I'm out of control. See, you were holding on to control instead of holding on to God. Gone for one week, and y'all just quiet on me. I tell you. Where are you at this morning? I got 27 pages of notes here. Y'all, 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 is God, is God speaking to anybody? Because if we're not dependent upon God, then we'll constantly stay in a state of depression. We'll constantly stay in a state of discouragement. We'll constantly stay in this state. You say, and I think that's the biggest problem is, is for me. Like me, I'm a, I'm a works-driven man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to work, and, and I'm going to work hard. I don't know any other way. 
And you start talking about resting, I start talking about, you, I start thinking you're talking about me being lazy. And I'm like, I can't sit down. I can't quit. He's not asking you to quit. He's asking you to change your motivation. He's asking you to change your motivation. You're not working. You're not doing this. You're not being a connect group leader. You're not being a, 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 a song leader. You're not, you're not doing the music. You're not being a, a servant in blue. You're not doing this because of what? Of, 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 of praise. You're doing it because you love God. Because if you're doing it for you, you can never work hard enough. But if you're doing it for God, all you have to do is rest in that and, and, and feel approved, right? And so many, when you say rest, people think that I can just, okay, I can just sit down. I can rest. Nothing makes me lazy. Nothing makes me madder than a lazy person. I told you, I ain't, I ain't, I'm still walking through the sanctification process. Don't judge me. But if I'm working hard and somebody sits down by me, I'm going to kick you until you get up. Get behind me, Satan. You ain't going to do that. Get up. You know what I'm saying? And the same thing with the walk with God. It's like when you, pastors are afraid to start telling people about the grace of God and that we need to rest in Him because they're worried that if they tell people to rest in Him, then they'll put it on cruise control and sit down. And I've been that way. I've been, I've been, I don't want to preach on rest. I don't want to preach on you just, you just rest in God because I'm scared people are going to be lazy. But you know what? Be lazy. That's on you. You want to experience the things of God. You want to experience the goodness of God. You want to experience the grace of God. He wasn't telling them to be lazy. We still have to work hard for Christ. But now we're not trying to gain approval, right? We know we're already approved in Christ. So it gives us a, a desire to serve him even more. To me, it gives me a desire to serve him even harder because I know that I don't have to work for approval. He's right on my side. He's happy with me where I am. He's just trying to lead me where he wants me to be. Amen? See, the thing that I couldn't quit when life was hard, the one thing that couldn't quit, the one thing that I knew that I could not give up on my marriage and give up on, my, on, on where I was headed was because I knew what God had done and I knew he was too good and too faithful to lead me where he had found me. So why would he say, why would he let me go back? And I kept feeling the Spirit push me and nudge me. And even when I wanted to quit, it was like, it was like a fresh wind would just brush against me. And I, would I, wasn't taking, I wasn't running, I was taking baby steps, but I was still moving. Hanging on to the promises of God every day. And as I look back, I realized that in those moments, he was trying to teach me to rest in him. Because there was nothing I could do to gain goodness. There was nothing I could do to change my situation. See, Satan wants you to work hard to try to fix yourself until you get tired, until you quit. And the pressure will kill you. You mean to let you know a little, 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 little way to test yourself right now? If you think you're trying to do this on your own, you have no joy for leading anyone to Jesus. You have no joy for ministry. Sometimes you don't even want to come to church because it's a chore. You're trying to do it, trying to please God instead of doing it because you love God. You're trying to gain acceptance instead of praising Him. See, Peter's self-reliance, it caused him to be unsure of his relationship with God. That's why when he revealed himself to him, he didn't come running back to him. Our 
self-reliance will cause us to be spiritually weak. Our self-reliance will begin to allow us to be self-focused. We're looking at me. Everything's about me. What offends me? What makes me feel happy? What makes my schedule work? What about me be me? And when we're we're inward-focused, we're not gospel-centered. We become selfish. And we give excuses of why we're acting like we're acting. We give excuses to God of why we've backed away. When we're focused on ourselves, we can't help other people that are weak. Because we end up just leading them astray right there with us. And the only thing that's going to change that this morning is that you experience God. Not that you came to church this morning, but that you experience God. A time to, and that's what this morning is for, a time for you to come, a time for you to allow him to pour his grace on you. See, church, there's nothing that's going to change what you did yesterday. There's nothing going to, there's nothing that you can do right now that's going to change the hopelessness you feel right now. There's nothing that you're going to do, that, that you are going to do that's going to make you press on until you, right now, you draw the line in the sand and you admit that you're discouraged. You admit that, that you've been backing up. You admit that you've been struggling. You admit right now that you have, have issues and that you've been backing up. You've been going back to the old. You've been contemplating going back to the old lifestyle. You've been contemplating backing up, but you know that you can't because of what God has done in you. Go, I want to challenge you right now. Go back to the place right now where he changed your heart where he touched you for the first time and desire that again this morning because that can happen, amen? See, we all need a fresh touch of the Spirit every day. I need it every morning. I need it every day because if I don't get that freshness, I'm not going to walk in the newness of the day. I'm going to try to walk in what I got yesterday and yesterday's not enough for today. And a lot of you, are still are just are walking in what God did in your life 12 years ago, five years ago, four weeks ago, instead of walking in what he did in your life this morning. And you're walking in discouragement instead of walking in victory because you're trying to get back to the place you once were instead of resting in God and letting him carry you to where he wants you to be today. And Peter, the story of Peter is a story of betrayal. It's a story of, of, of complete disaster almost but it's also a story of redemption because he brings Peter back and he says Peter do you love me and he says yes Lord you know I love you he says Peter do you love me more than these he said yes Lord and he brings him back to a place to where he tells Peter Peter had to confess that he loved him and he said well your love for me I'm going to put you back in the ministry but your love for me will show by the way you live and by the way you die And the way we love God shows up on how we live and how we die. So don't let today's discouragement be your defeat for tomorrow. Don't don't back up. Don't stop. Don't quit. I beg you don't. Because I I myself have been discouraged these past two and a half, three years. I've walked in seasons of discouragement to where I wanted to quit. Because I've realized that I was trying to make it work instead of working with God. And if I can be that transparent with you guys, why don't you be that transparent with yourself and with God this morning and allow him to move? 
because Peter would have never been used in Pentecost. Peter would have never, ever been used and preached to 3,000 people and the church gets started. And Acts 2 would have never happened if Peter would not have realized that it's not on me, it's all on you, God. Peter would have never been used of God and experienced that great miracle and that mercy and that, that awesomeness that comes along with being used by God if he had not surrendered his self-reliance and his self-will. Some of you need to come to the altar today and say, God, I'm going to give you the control of my life. I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to stop trying to run the show. I want you to run the show. Some of us need to come and, and confess our discouragement this morning. We need to confess that, that we've been struggling. We may have a pretty face. We may smile and we may lie to people when they ask us how we're doing, but we're really dying inside. We're really wanting to quit inside. There's everything in us is wanting to quit, but we just, we're worried we're going to let people down so we don't quit. We keep going instead of worrying about letting Jesus down. And God's called us to be a people who are loving Him and are praising Him and listening, listening to Him every single day. All of us have a little bit of Peter in us. The question is, will you die with it in you? Some of you may be here this morning and you've never, ever tasted and seen that the Lord is good. There's really never been a time in your life where you know that you stepped out of darkness and into light. You might have stepped out of darkness and into the shade, but you didn't step out into the light. I'm going to write that down. That's Facebook worthy right there. That was good. But walking in the light means you walk away from everything you once were, and you're pursuing Jesus. He, he is the center of your life. If you've never put Jesus at the center of your life, I want to challenge you today to make that first step and saying, I want to I have decided to follow Jesus. And well, let's pray with you. If that's you today, raise your hand. Say, I choose Jesus. Amen. Amen, brother. Amen, sister. Amen. 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 Anybody else? Anybody else? So we got three people that's going to be honest this morning. The rest of us, we just got our clothes on, smiling. We good, right? We don't struggle with nothing. Come on. Can you honestly say that you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Does your lifestyle show it? Does, your, does, does the way you live show it? Does the way you love show it? Because when you're following Christ, He is who you are. So that's you today. I'm going to give you one more chance to raise your hand. One more chance to say, I want to follow Christ. One more chance to say, today's the day that I want to experience salvation and redemption from who I am. Amen. 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 And so, that leaves us with all of us that are saying that we're good. And I can, look by, I can see by looking at all of our faces that we're all good, but we're not great. Everybody in here is struggling with something. If we were all sanctified, glorified, man, we'd be running this thing up. We'd be, we'd be running this. Every time we go to Fred's, we'd be telling somebody about Jesus, right? When y'all leave here, you'd be telling people about Jesus. But most people, when they leave here, they're going to be worried about their sweet tea and their fried chicken. They ain't going to be worried about no Jesus. But see, when you're, what's keeping you? Church, be serious. What's keeping you from experiencing God? What's, ex what's keeping you from being used by God? What are you holding on to? What, what, what are you, what's, why have you been discouraged? Why have you been discouraged? Why have you been wanting to quit? Why have you been backing up? Because today's the day to stop backing up and change the gear and go forward. 
And you might put it in Granny Lowe this morning, but at least you're changing directions. Amen? Let's change directions today. Let's be intentional today. If, if, this, the, if the burden is too heavy on you right now, you say, I just don't know what to even, the, I'm here. I'll always be here. I'm, I'll pray with you. Find somebody in a blue shirt. They will pray with you. Let's get serious and do the work of God this morning. If God's moving in your life, this altar is here for us to come and kneel and say, God, I'm putting this pride aside and I'm picking you up right now. Let's lay our burdens at the feet of Jesus and leave them there. Amen? And don't you dare pick them back up because he died and paid them in full so you can walk in freedom and not bondage. The choice is yours. The word's been preached. What are you going to do with it? Father, we come to you right now. And God, we ask you and we beg you to fall fresh upon us. God, remove the denial in our heart. God, remove the, the fakeness that we portray. Lord, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Touch our hearts. Holy Spirit, move amongst us in a mighty way. Allow us to experience you like we once did. I pray, God, that those of us in this room that have been walking in discouragement, we've been, walk, we've been resting in you, then God, bring us to a point of confession and repentance this morning. Move in us, Lord Jesus. God, change us. Redeem us. Set us free, Father. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. We will stand. Stand with me. and Move as God is calling you to move.